Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I am your host, Trey Gamage, and I'm excited for our special guest today, Mr. Robert E. Walker. He's a keynote speaker, educational consultant, and also innovating robotics inventions curriculums for schools while also helping them implement SEL. So there's a lot for us to cover today, and I'm very excited for this conversation. Robert is coming all the way from Hawaii, so I am a little jealous. And before we get started, I want you to be sure to go to TreyGamers.com so that you can subscribe to the Dash Podcast. Purchase my new book for yourself or for your class, Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. It's a social and emotional learning workbook for middle and high school students. And while you're there, you may notice a new coaching program, Getting Unstuck, Four Steps to Your Best You. It's a personalized communication action plan where I will walk you through the process to being your best self. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the Dash podcast with Mr. Robert Walker. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Aloha. 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 That that makes me feel like I'm in Hawaii already. <laughs> I'm going to have to make a visit out there, man. So you hi, are you from Hawaii, Robert? I'm actually from North Dakota. I was raised on a farm oh. in North Dakota. I, I can hear it when you said that there. So how'd you get all the way from North Dakota to Hawaii? I was, I was married to a military gal at the time. Mm, mm, sounds like a yeah. Yeah, so I moved from North Dakota over to um, Chicago and Oakland, and her transfer went over to Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay, okay, right on. So you've been in Hawaii now for how long? 32 years. 32 years. So that's basically home for you, huh? Yeah, it is. And what are, what's, what's it like living in Hawaii just on a day-to-day? I've got to get these questions out of the way first because I know I've got people listening that, that want to know how, about Hawaii. That's my mom's dream vacation. So I, I just kind of want to know what's it like living in Hawaii and what is school like in Hawaii? Do you have school on the beach and is everybody just excited to get out of school and go surf and stuff? Um, some of the local kids, yeah, a lot of local kids do a lot of surfing, as the girls as well as the boys. The other thing is that um, they uh, have to deal with a lot of weather, depending on the trade winds. If you get mm-hmm. the southern wind or you get the um, trade winds, it depends if it would be pleasant here or not, depending on the winds, yeah. Um, the one thing is this is in school, we have 19 to 20 cultures in our classroom. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite different than North Dakota, where I come from. Mm, I, I could imagine. I could imagine. Uh, 19 to 20 cultures. I mean, so you probably have, um, so indigenous Hawaiians or, or native Hawaiians who live there. And you've got transplants, I'm sure, from the West Coast. Um, maybe, we're, we're, maybe New Zealand, maybe Australia, um, all over Americas. Uh, where else? Fiji. I'm trying to think of some other places. Uh, you got the Spanish, you got the Mexicans who come in. Okay. And, and then you have the um, Samoans who come in mm. and uh, Marshallese who come in. The Japanese are definitely in. Wow. Uh, the Chinese and the uh, Koreans and uh, Caucasians and African Americans and some Indians and so on. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's pretty special then. Um, you know, just thinking about having such a melting pot, you know, it almost sounds like Hawaii is similar to New York. Um, I like to compare it to the UN <laughs> because when they come in, it's kind of like I've never visited the UN, but I kind of have because I've been in my classroom. 
Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. You've got you've got the entire United Nations in your classroom. Do you feel like um, do you feel like that helps kids be exposed? Like, do you feel like your students have a more global mindset because there's so many nations in there? Well, there's a mutual respect for culture down here, um, which is really un, un uncharted compared to you know up in North Dakota, but I guess North Dakota is, you know, what it is is because of the different cultures that are there too, you know, hmm. um, but it's just very unique here and the Aloha really is a spirit here and it hmm. does survive. Yeah. Um, can you break that down for me for a second? You said Aloha is a spirit and, and it does survive. I've never heard that before. I thought Aloha meant hello. Well, it also means love because mm -hmm. the thing is, this is you show love for your mankind and you have empathy for other people and other cultures and you respect their cultures. Mm, mm, mm. And that is what the kids really get by coming to Hawaii. And they see the differences and that. And sometimes, yeah, they have to be set straight on if they do cross the line of disrespecting other cultures. Mm. Does, that, does that happen often? You know, I feel like um, where I'm at in South Carolina, I'm, I'm working with one of the most diverse charter schools in my rural area, and it's 75% black, 20% white, and 5% other. The other two schools in the area, the private one is 97% white, the public is 97% black. You know, how, what, how often do you have like racial tensions or, or stereotypes and um, things like that where people are disrespecting cultures? I mean, I know we're in school, so it happens, but um, just, you know, do you feel like it's different in Hawaii than it was in your other experiences in Chicago or North Dakota? No, you know, it's really not even evident except for that moment where a kid will cross the line and say something that may be on the borderline of being inappropriate mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, so like you're saying, um, off and on, um, it does flare up. But, but we don't have racial tension, um, I wouldn't say, in 32 years here. Um, no, not at all. Uh, we're more where I taught was more in a little middle school. I'm actually going to retire in June um, from 35 years of instruction. Congratulations! Yeah, and and then I'm writing my second book right now too. So, yeah. What, what's the first one called? Well, that's Quadi Robotics Innovative Inventions Curriculum. It's a book. It has 34 supplementals. Wow, that's a lot. And so, it, Robert, from our discussions before, you're combining robotics with SEL and workplace skills. Now, how do you get that combination with those career and technology skills also mixed in with SEL and robotics? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I went to a training of Habits of the Mind with Dr. Art Costa, and I asked him about the physical, social, emotional, intellectual, developmental stages of where does anxiety, defensive, and acting out fit in? And he goes, young man, what do you teach? And he asked me to <laughs> sit down with him and have lunch with him. And did you know he invited me to write an article that we published, um, Crossing um, Robotics with Habits of Mind? Wow. Wow. That, that's, that's what got me going there, buddy. Mm, yeah. Mm. So you were initially in the robotics field. You're in quasi-robotics. No. Oh, go ahead. I'm initially an industrial arts teacher, and they asked me to actually teach robotics from um, a company's uh, program. And what happened was it's scripted and predictable. And I said, you're not even acknowledging that I have any skills. You want me to do a scripted predictable curriculum? And I asked them, you know, give me the summer to uh, think about this. And I came back with Quadi mm -hmm. Robotics Innovative Inventions curriculum. Mm 
Mm. Uh, we were actually doing mechanical arms for about seven years from my industrial arts. We did cabinets and all that stuff. And then we went to mechanical arms, like a golfing robot with syringes and hoses and stuff like that. And then when they asked me to do these robotic kits, I thought, well, why not do that with the robotic kits? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one, I want to take a moment to commend you for not accepting the curriculum as it was given to you. Um, I know that there's there's all kinds of curriculums that were used, whether it's robotics or iReady or, or your classroom instruction curriculum. But I feel like sometimes we miss the mark in realizing that just because you have this curriculum doesn't mean you have to read it and teach it word for word. You can make it your own. And you literally did that. Um, you made the learning. Yeah, because... Uh, because when you're, I'm sorry, when, when you're a shop teacher, nothing is scripted and predictable. It's unscripted, unpredictable how your project's going to turn out. So I figured that you could take that concept and do that with innovations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Was it, um, how was it received when, when you said that to um, the school or the company that you were working with and, and you let them know, hey man, I'm, I'm not doing the scripted stuff. I need to go and, and you know, figure out how this is going to work for me. How was it received in your school? Um, well, the principal was open-minded to it, and I appreciate she was at the time and that. But then we had um, two special ed students who came in, and they developed a robot that would lick an envelope, seal an envelope, <laughs> or I mean tack an envelope and seal an envelope. And once when these lower achiever students who normally low achieve got A's in my class because they just knocked us out of the ballpark, she was sold on it. Mm, mm. And when did that start? So you've been in for 35 years. When did this research in this? 2011 is when I started it in that. I had nine years, which was 27 groups of um, quadri-robotic students. Mm. And the last group, the 27th group, just was interrupted with the... Um, virus crisis yeah. they only had like three weeks out of 12 weeks because i get them 12 weeks every trimester i get 12 new um i get 12 every 12 weeks sorry every 12 weeks i get brand new kids and i have them for three trimesters mm. and this virus put a wrench in the last group's inventions but it, they really didn't because once they went ahead and um moved us to home from schooling from home they're doing it digitally, designing it now from home, mm -hmm. and they're able to use an application from the same company online. And they're actually still developing their robot, but they're doing it digitally of uh, what they would be doing in a shop. Does everybody create their own robot, or are they working collaboratively? I hire them as if they are at the real workplace, and they are randomly assigned together. So it's groups of three people. There's a leader, a builder, planner, and a parts PowerPoint person. Hmm. They all do the they all do the um, curriculum, and they all do all parts of the curriculum. But those people are in charge of that specific um, topic. Um, if we should have to address it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then, so as far as are you teaching? directly are you working with the school directly or are you working with a um with the education company that's that's coming in and offering is it a class or is it like a, a full day that students are spending no i'm i'm a solid um hawaii doe teacher and um i just created a different method for instruction hmm. and it does deal with the social emotional developmental stages like i was stating before um, the anxiety defensive acting out I was talking about is I, I empower the students with concepts and strategies so they can survive um, unscripted and unpredictable situations in their life. 
Yeah. Can you give me an example of uh, of a lesson that that you're teaching students to help them with that? Well, for the unscripted, unpredictable, the way they design their robot and stuff, and how do you apply technologies and you take uh, like create customized real world education applications to exceed. Hmm. Um, that's one of my acronyms for um, Quad D Robotics. So they have to customize an application to do the application that they really, I mean, the uh, app to do the tasks that they want their robot to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but in regards to the um, social emotional part of it, just to be able to relate to other people because they're randomly put in groups and they have anxiety defensive acting off from day one, just like you would on a real job. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And well, and, I've been um, talking a lot lately to folks about how, you know, pretty much every workforce readiness skill can have a stem in social and emotional learning. I had a conversation um, with Marisa Elias, who's a, a strong innovator and um, early trendsetter in SEL and character development. And he was taught, I was asking, you know, what is the balance between SEL and pedagogy or content? He said, you know, SEL is to learning as the alphabet is to reading. You can't really separate the two. And it's the same when you're in school or when you're in the workplace. So I, I definitely commend you for that because they're getting they're getting real skills. It's not it's not straight from a book. It's not read off a text. You get to work on it and practice it and, and, and become the person you need to be to make this a reality. And there's only one thing, Trey, that stops innovation in classroom. What's that? The EGO. 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 <laughs> of the adult. All the adult. Mm. Because the adult has to get out of the way and let the kids innovate. And I call it also the enhanced generational obstacles, which are the computers. Mm. Mm. Because you find that expert or student who is always on that computer and you learn from them as well as they learn from you and you partner up. It's not a know-all teacher classroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's a partnership, human to human. So did, did you make that acronym like that on purpose? EGO is ego. Right, I did. Yeah, because it covers your self-worth, okay, and your self-pride. And it also it also covers the enhanced generational obstacles. Yeah, that's one of my QDRIC um acronyms. Dang. Um and so those I have I have one more if you want to hear it. Let me hear it. Okay, so create robots. I threw it out there. Create was customized real-world education applications to exceed. And robots is reveal options before operating technological systems. <laughs> wow. Do you have charts of these? Do you have images and visuals that I can share with everybody listening on this? Well, that's what's going in my book. Oh, you're a smart But the thing is this is because you get me on like this, once in the book gets published, I can give you a free copy. Oh, look, you look you you yeah. I like you, Robert. I like you a lot. That's fun. I, I certainly appreciate it. I'm glad I asked that right question. So ego, robot, and create are three. Um, are these the main acronyms? Yes. Acronyms. Are those some yeah. of the main tenets of your book that you're breaking down? Right. And I have more acronyms, but we won't get into them all. But the thing is, mustard is one of them. Okay. <laughs> and um, man, man managing unified refreshed disciplines and that those are your sciences your technologies and your um arts mm. and that so that's mustard that's 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 mustard okay um so you actually you actually have to muster to do it you have to get with it you got to um, move you got you got to go after it that's where i got yeah. that from 
Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, I'm I'm a pretty conceptual man um, myself. I, I I'm not as I, I'm not as good as the acronyms as you are, but I do like um, those concepts that kind of have multiple meanings or multiple layers to it. So your first book was a curriculum. What is your second book focused on? 21st century instructional practices, highly effective ones, and it's run your classroom like a workplace. Hmm. And on the bottom of the title, on the bottom of the book, it says delivering um, innovative instruction. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I like. When is it set to release? I tell you what, I only got about 40 pages written right now. So, <laughs> so hopefully by the end of the school year, or not school year, by the end of this year, I can get it all all out there. Um, because I'm also setting up some presentations too, yeah. nationwide. Yeah. Well, and you may have some more time to uh, work on the book after after June, huh? Yeah, it's going to take a while for society to get back to normal. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, how have you seen the work that you're doing in robotics in career and technology translate to, um, say, quote unquote, a more traditional classroom, a math, a science, a, a, a English class? Is there a translation between what you're doing and what other teachers are doing? Oh, yeah, because those other content areas, we actually in a shop setting, whether it's robots or just traditional building, we actually see who can write a letter, who can sign their name, who can do math, who can understand and apply sciences. So I've tied that all into this curriculum. Um, yeah, and then the arts now, so from STEM to STEAM. Mm. Um, so it's more of a STEAM thing because now we have arts going too. Um, yeah, in the classroom, that's just kind of how it's been. Yeah. So w let me go back to um, just like your early education career. You started off in, in North Dakota, went to Chicago. You're down in Hawaii now. What was your journey through education like? You know, and, and I know how the opportunity came up for robotics, but even before that, why education and, and how do you, why, why 35 years? Well, you know, raised on a farm and a small town, um, had two different homes. And the thing was, my grandfather and my father and uncle taught me about shops and tools and stuff. So I went ahead and uh, kind of wanted to just be a non-teacher, just going to industrial technology. I took education classes just in case technology wasn't out there when I got out in the market. And the shop teacher at the college level at Valley City State in Valley City, North Dakota, went ahead and let me run the shop, the lab part, and I fell in love with teaching. Mm. And I never, ever looked at technology, and I stayed in education throughout. And then by marrying my first wife, where we went to Chicago, Oakland, and then end up in Honolulu, I got to substitute in those inner cities. Yeah. And it made me a human-human instructor and it opened up my eyes to different cultures and who who knew i'd end up in a classroom with 19 to 20 different cultures mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so benefits so yeah i have a wide spectrum of experiences from k through 12 i'm certified k through 12 pe and industrial arts i also have my middle level master's degree um and that's when i really learned, learned about the social emotional developmental stages and needs of students gotcha so was there a um was there a specific point during during that master's program? Um what was it that woke you up to the value of SEL and, and wanting to implement wanting to implement that within your curriculums? 
Well, I'll tell you, there's a personal note that happened. We had a project to uh, make some type of flyer for the community to do community service and that, and without getting into in great details and that, and have anybody feel sorry for me, I had a rough upbringing in my family um, from my parent, my father, and um, I had elder siblings and there was some violence in that we'd come home to my sister and I, and I made this brochure that says stop the violence and I talked about a storm hits and how 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 you will survive the storm next time and but if you don't call out for help you may not survive it and I did this in a flyer and I handed it to my professors from the University of Hawaii and they started crying wow and once when I saw their emotional um, reaction to it um, one of the professors says can I put this out here in Hawaii. So they went to a uh, area, a shelter area and handed these out to uh, in some rec centers and handed it out. And I had actually on there, the brochure, the shelters for um, mothers and children. And that's what taught me about the social emotional stages and that. And mm-hmm. on the front cover, there's two little cartoon kids holding hands and the fireworks going above their head. That was my sister and I listening to what was happening in, in our house. Goodness. And um, to my older brothers, so that's what turned me on to social emotional. Yeah, you know, I think it's amazing how the things that are most painful in your life and, and that hurt you the most bring you uh, or drive you to your purpose or, or help you find what it is that's going to be the catalyst to the greatest things that you ever experience in your life. But I just want to make one side note on that because I did mention my father and stuff. We we made peace in that about two weeks before he passed away. Mm. He was fine. He was on the phone, and I told him we were expecting twins, and we're going to name them after him and his my uncle, Uncle George, who passed away. And uh, he never, ever said, I love you, but he said, I love you on the phone, and he cried on the phone, and that's the last time I heard him, and I promised I would be a good dad, and long story short, I raised these twins by myself from one month of age all the way to 13 years of age. Oh, my goodness. Because at one month, the mother got sick with postpartum depression, and she actually signed them over to me, and um, I raised them by myself. So that's what changed me from a traditional hard-nosed farm boy shop teacher to the social-emotional teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have, you have a real world experience that, you know, I, I like to say that nobody's been through what you've been through the way you've been through it. And and that's certainly the case for yourself, but when you're able to um, make yourself vulnerable and, and lead through that lens of love and, and, and wanting to give and serve others so they don't have to go through what you've been through, um, it makes a huge difference. You know, when, when people see people doing what they love, they either want to be a part of that dream or part of what you're doing and start living it themselves. So I, I know that you've healed lives and that you've um, changed people's lives from your experience, whether you say it explicitly or implicitly. I, I can feel your spirit and I can feel your heart from um, halfway across the country and or across the world, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, and, and I must have done a pretty good job because my one son, he's in the United States Air Force and the other son is a teacher in San Francisco. You did splendid. You did absolutely splendid. I, I think that's that's excellent. It's hard to be, I, I, you know, I don't know too many single fathers, you know, single mothers, unfortunately, um, you know, I was raised by a single mother and I think a lot of people are, but you don't really hear too much about single fathers. So I'm sure that experience was um, a bit different for you as well. Right. But that just woke me up in my classroom that my students could actually be me and my own kids sitting in this classroom. Mm. And that's what that's what changed my teaching. 
That's true. So, so you, you are a speaker as well, and you have different um, assemblies that you provide. Um, what, what kind of information are you delivering um, when you're going to talk to schools and speak with them? Okay, I have the first one is the QDRIC showcase just to inspire and motivate students to dream outside the box and go after it. Um, another one I have is innovative inventions experience where they actually do the mechanical arms. I bring in kits and suitcases and they actually get in random groups of three or four people and they have to create this arm to pick up a cup of water and pour it hmm. and, and, and that. And then I work place simulated classrooms, um, that's which my book is about, and not to be plugging my book, but it, it's a, another training where you actually turn your classroom into like a workplace and you hire the kids and their grade is their pay. And um, what is so awesome about that was I worked at one of these sporting goods stores, which is no longer existing. And I saw they had their triangle, the Kudrick triangle wrong where the CEO was the boss of the whole store and the humans were not treating human to human hmm. and it wasn't respectful and their store folded. So I actually took that concept and made triangles, one facing up, one facing down. And if you do the human to human, your triangles facing up and the sky's the limit. If it's facing down, you dig a hole and you fall into it and you fail. Oh man. And so what happened? Yeah. So what happened was, um, they, uh, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry. No, you're, you're talking about your, your book and some of the trainings that you have when you're going out and talking to students. Right. And, and right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a workplace um, simulated one. And then there's the advanced innovations one. How do you do innovations in an advanced way? Make real, real, real world connections to social emotional learning, but also you make the real world connections um, with the content. Um, how do you apply the content? Um, I know that uh, they got away from having kids learn how to sign their name. In real life, you still need to be able to have a signature, a cursive signature. And what's unbelievable is they don't even have that at this day and age. Yeah. So um, that's not advanced in the training. But the thing is, I do emphasize, how do you do innovations and how do you develop these life skills, workplace skills that they need throughout? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, Robert, you're, you're highly innovative and creative. Where do you think that comes from? Is that more innate or is that something that you've kind of learned and picked up across your time in education? Well, we had a principal at our school, um, Caroline Wong, who was one of the best principals in the world, man. I mean, she was a tribes trainer. She had me become a tribes trainer. And if you don't know about that, that's where you build communities. And that, and you go through the influence stage, and you want to have a community of learners, and that. But you learn to deal with everybody's cultures and imperfections. Mm. And she actually planted the seed of a whole bunch of stuff, and I just absorbed it. She always would say that, you know, the starfish scenario when you're walking on the beach, if you throw that starfish in, they go, "Why'd you throw that in?" You know, you got so many starfish. You know, just a random uh, some ounces of it. And and then, well, I made a difference with that starfish. You know, and so I guess I was her starfish where, hmm. where I absorbed everything. And she didn't even know about it recently till I sat her down and showed her the robots in the book I was writing. And she was totally um, excited about it. Yeah. yeah, I believe it. I believe it. That is exciting. That's really special. And, and you know, I, you said you didn't want to plug yourself, but I actually want to give you some time to plug yourself. What, what websites can people go to? What um, information do we need to find? What's your book called? plug everything that you have to plug right now so that people can hear you. 
was 21st century um, highly effective instructional practices, uh, run your classroom like a workplace, delivering innovative instruction. That's the book I'm currently writing. And then also you have, um, my very first book was Quad D Robotics Innovative Inventions Curriculum Book, which has supplementals. Um, I have, I had opportunities to actually sell this book many times to people, mm -hmm. but if I don't do a training and meet the people who do it, I won't sell it to them yeah. because I need to know that that, that teacher can go in that classroom and deal with these kids and deal with them in a human to human manner. And my name's attached to the curriculum yeah. and that's what I want to see. Um, but those are the two, two, um, ventures I have out there, but there's five different trainings I have. But they can always contact me at rwalker186, uh, um, rwalker186 at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. okay. Excellent. Excellent. That's awesome, Robert. And, and is there any final words that you want to say as we wrap up the episode that you want to leave with the audience that's listening now? Well, you know, your social emotional learning is, is awesome that what you're doing with these podcasts and stuff, but I put down real world, real life connectivity with applicable social and emotional learning, targeting um, the content that is relevant and evident throughout the instructional practices. I woke up with that in my head this morning and mm. I just wrote it down before we started. Mm. And uh, now I'm going to be doing an article that I actually wrote already while I was laying there. Um, that's where it comes to me. I just wake up in the middle of the night, have my iPad next to me, and I go for it. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? That's inspiring. I, I oftentimes will forget my dream or, or not care enough to write that dream down. But there's so many dreams that we have that have to be, uh, that need action that's put to them because we're the only ones that can have the dreams that we have. And unfortunately, too many people take their dreams to the graveyard with them. So I'm glad that you are woken up and you continue to wake up from your dreams and that you make your dreams a reality for yourself and for everybody else that you work with. Well, I tell you what, Trey, it's been an honor and a pleasure that you had me on. And mahalo, like we say in Hawaii, for thank you. Ma mahalo, sir. It was my pleasure, absolutely. Thank you for joining me, and, and thank everybody for listening to the Dash Podcast. This was a great episode with Mr. Robert Walker. We'll get you all the links to his acronyms, to his books, to his social media, his websites, and everything else. Uh, this guy is inspiring, and I'm really glad that we were able to take the time and make the time to uh, make this conversation happen. So I hope if you like it, you'll share it with your friends. Don't forget to check out TreyGammers.com for Every Decision Counts and Getting Unstuck. And make sure you join us again next week for a brand new episode of the Dash Podcast. We feature educators who are providing solutions for school communities. We'll see you next time. This is the Dash.